Glam slam, thank you, ma'am. On this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast, my guest, Edgar Krause, and I will be discussing Glam Slam from the Love Sexy album. Welcome back to the show, Edgar. Hi, Jason. Well, here we are, Love Sexy. It's um, yeah. it's that album that I think out of all of Prince's 80s records, Love Sexy seems to have kind of the reputation as maybe one of those I get it or I don't get it kind of records. Like it doesn't have universal appeal, doesn't have universal praise from critics and fans alike, but there's there's a collection of those of us who really find Love Sexy to be an intriguing and value-added album to Prince's 80s discography or his discography at whole. But then there's just other people who are like, I don't know, man, this isn't really for me. I don't really get into the God is love, love is God, spirituality angle. I, don't, I, I mean, he did. We all know that he kind of wrote and recorded this album fairly quickly. And maybe some of that can be identified as weaknesses in some of the lyrics. Um, but what what are your thoughts on Love Sexy in general? And if you don't mind sharing, like I, I believe you've seen the Love Sexy tour, which yes. I think everybody would say is probably one of the better, most elaborate tours that Prince ever did. Yeah, We'd love to hear your story on that. Well, uh, to start with the album, I, I'm 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 one of those persons that love this album, and and. I would go as far as to saying that this is actually his best and most consistent album of the 1980s. Um, it's it's not as popular as Purple Rain, of course, and it's not um, I, I, it, it's not my favorite album. Uh, that that would be uh, around the world in a day, and on other days it would be Parade. But this this album as a whole, it is it, it tells a story. It, it from from the moment it starts, with I know until the last yeah well when 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 positivity fades out, it tells a cohesive story and. Uh, I think that's that's one of the things that's missing in all of his other albums in the 1980s. There's always so, one song that he threw in last moment, which disturbs the flow of an album uh, a bit. And like you said, this album um, was recorded in a very short time um, and, and there was no time to throw in some last minute additions. So this is probably the only album from the 1980s that tells a consistent story. And that's what I like about it. <laughs> and, and 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 yes, indeed, um, I, I I saw the, uh, the the Love Sexy tour, um, and I, I must say that uh, I didn't have the best seats in the house. Um, I, I was uh, 14 years old uh, at the time, and um, I had to say save some money to 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 buy the cheapest seats available. It, it was all I could afford as a young boy. Uh, so I was uh, it was in an, uh, in an open air stadium in Rotterdam, and I was all the way up. Uh, at the uh, well, at, at at the top of the of the stadium. So uh, the, the the show was what uh, was was brilliant. It was a brilliant show, absolutely. Um, but but being that far back, and Prince uh, didn't have any screens on the side of the stage, so um, it, it wasn't in the round as, as we saw uh, on, on 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 the famous uh, uh, Dortmund video, for instance. Uh, in, when I saw it, it was in a stadium setting. Um, and he didn't have video screens on the on the on the side of the stage. So from where I was sitting, you know, Prince was a tiny person, and he was even more tiny. <laughs> even <laughs> worse, even more so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but I remember that show being uh, amazing. Um, I, I was at the show that uh, that Candy Dolfer uh, uh, did her first uh, uh, appearance with Prince. So and, oh, and cool. from that on, from that moment on, well, she she became uh, one of the people that, that continued to work with him uh, throughout the years. Uh, but but it, 
it, it's strange that that how the, how the memory works. You know, um, I, I was at that show, uh, uh, August nineteenth, nineteen eighty eight. And then a few weeks later, the, the, the show from Dortmund, which uh, I just mentioned, was on television. And the set list is almost identical. Um, but when I was watching that show on television, it was like a completely different show than, than I saw. The, the open air setting was, was totally different. Um, but it was, uh, well, it, and it still is an, an, an amazing show. And it worked so well, uh, having that, that dark side and the light, light side. Yeah. Uh, within a story on stage shows so it, but but as a 14 year old kid i didn't see that i just saw a magnificent rock, rock show and it was the, the second big concert i ever saw uh, the first one was the sign of the times tour a year previous so those two became my benchmarks for concerts uh, so for a long time uh, every other artist i saw was disappointing because it wasn't as elaborate as Prince, but it's, so you're uh, always like, oh well, that was a good show, but it wasn't as good as Prince. Oh, that was no. okay. It wasn't as good as Prince, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, but it's always like uh, uh, the the strange thing is that that looking back, I didn't know that at the time, of course. Um, I, I I didn't see the best shows from that particular uh, uh, tour um, in 1987. Um, the, the the show I went to was marked with rain. It was the Definitely the shortest show of the entire tour, but I, I thought it was amazing. And um, the, the show I saw in Rotterdam was also the shortest of the three, the three shows he did that summer in, in the Netherlands. Uh, but I didn't know that at the time. So, And the mm. people that saw multiple shows were from, whoa, 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 we've seen better. And if you only saw one show, it was, well, amazing. Right, right. You didn't have other ones to compare it against in the same tour. No. So. No, yeah. I, I, from from 1990 on, uh, like I said, I was 14 in uh, in 1988, um, and and my parents wouldn't let me go to multiple shows, and I didn't have the funds to to finance that. Uh, but from um, from 1990 on, I was older and uh, I had more money to spare. So that's that was the point that I started to go to multiple shows, one tour. But at this point, I just saw one show, mm-hmm. and uh, and this one was was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, I wish I could have seen it live, too. So even if it was the shortest and maybe least impressive show of the three that they played in the Netherlands that year, at least you got to go. At least you were there for one of them. Yes, you can say you were there. Yeah, absolutely. And Prince and Prince and the band were tiny little specks on the stage because you're far (laughs) away. But absolutely you could you could hear everything just fine, I assume. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Then and marrying the, the fight, that up with the visuals from from the the Dortmund show that was aired, you're like, okay, I can make the connections now. What I yeah. heard versus what I'm seeing here. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, because it was an outdoor show, uh, the thing that I remember most was the the stage being uh, still in the sunlight because it was still uh, when it started. It was uh, pretty pretty early still, so. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we didn't get the, 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 the real visuals, you know, the lighting, etc. We didn't get that on, up until, well, probably around Anastasia within the set. That's when it started to get dark a little bit. Gotcha. So the first part of the show was, was more or less in, in, in broad daylight. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, very interesting. Um, glad you shared that. It's always nice to talk to people who saw Prince live and uh, during the era that I'm talking about and doing my yeah. podcast about. So that was also the era that I really became a, a, a fan. You know, it, it you you grow into it, and like I said, when you see these concerts, you 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 get a connection. 
with an artist and in this case with Prince and that what stays with you for for life mm -hmm. yeah well certainly it has stayed with you for life because you're here now <laughs> yeah 30 30 plus years later talking to me about glam slam yeah. um glam slam is the third track on the album it comes right after alphabet street and right before anastasia which i consider two of the strongest songs on the album mm -hmm. so glam slam is kind of wedged in the middle it was released as the second single off the album uh, i believe yeah. that was across the entire world i don't think it was just a u.s thing i think it was the second single in yeah. other markets other countries as well absolutely and then it was in july it was a few weeks before the concert yeah, July of 1988. Exactly. That's yeah. when it was released. So following on the heels of the top 10 success of Alphabet Street came Glam Slam. And um, Glam Slam was not a commercial success like Alphabet Street was. And even Alphabet Street was kind of disappointing from a from a chart perspective, from a sales perspective. It still did well, but not. it wasn't like a number one hit or even came close to number one. Glam Slam didn't even make the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 at all. And it was only number 44 on the R&B charts, which is a pretty low showing, because usually Prince did better on the R&B charts than on the pop charts, especially for some of these later album singles. Maybe not like the, the big hits. I mean, you can't get any better than number one. Number one's number one. But like a song like this, only hitting number 44 on the R&B charts kind of speaks to the, the, the general reaction to the song as being middling, uh, wasn't wasn't super well received in a lot of radio station formats uh, a thing like i found i didn't know this but i went to prince vault so i have to cite prince vault <laughs> for mentioning this but i guess prince had second thoughts about this song being released as the second single i don't know what the source is for that but according to prince vault this is what is written there and then he had to <laughs> even he wanted to pull it like make a last minute decision kind of like uh, hearkening back to his uh, black album decision a year prior like nope pull it i don't want it but um oh. in this case it was too late and so glam slam ultimately got that second single released and i don't know why he why it was initially chosen to be the second single and then he was thinking maybe not i don't know if he had a different song in mind that he really wanted to push forth and it just didn't happen for him not sure if you know any more about it than i do i don't i don't know any i didn't even know this so this is this is interesting and and you, like you said in the u.s it didn't do well in europe it didn't do as good as other uh, um, uh, songs from, from previous albums but it still made it to number 15 in the general charts here in the netherlands so that's it's yeah, not, not a, bad. Not, not, it's not bad, but it's definitely not as low as as in in, in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> my memory. Well, I have no memory of this song, <laughs> the video ever being played. So there's a music video. It's it's essentially Prince and the band on stage. It's I mean, it's not taken from. I don't understand it to be taken from the tour. It's a a, a recording for the video, but it's on stage and there's a crowd around him so i think it was either um, the crowd from an existing show or they brought people in i'm not sure i didn't do a whole lot of research I, on the video because this is not a video think, podcast <laughs> no but i think it's 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 uh the way i see the show i think it's it's just a rehearsal uh it's it, I, i'm i'm not sure this but but it looks like it was filmed during rehearsals um just in, in the us and they just pulled in an audience and said from Okay, gotcha. we, 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 need a, we need an audience for this, and those people were there. 
Yeah, because it's supposed to be like a, uh, a live video. Um, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of those, like videos that are on stage live, but they're not really live. They're just, you know, yeah. supposed to pretend to be live. What but I find most interesting... Most of Prince's early videos were like that. Yeah, know. exactly. Exactly. He has a lot of those in his yeah. career. Uh, what I find interesting about the video cracks me up is, um, again, we've got Eric Leeds on stage playing an instrument that he doesn't normally play. Oh, he's on the violin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did that when the family on the screens of passion, everybody who's familiar with that video is kind of cracks up when they see Eric Leeds in the background pretending to pluck away at the bass, bass guitar. Yeah. But here he's got a he's got a violin and he's, you know, striking the violin strings with his uh with his bow and yeah. and like wait wait a second wait a second that's not his instrument so <laughs> no. and it and it doesn't make sense they have a, they, they have a string orchestra right there <laughs> which is also in the video <laughs> and then next to the string orchestra there are eric and atlanta also playing violin you know it, it doesn't make sense no it doesn't make sense i think they again just wanted them in the video and since there's no horns just hold an instrument, man. Just hold an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, so another thing about Glam Slam that kind of transcends, and this is a word that he uses in the song, transcends the song itself, of course, is the the phrase Glam Slam. Yeah. Uh, we all know Glam Slam turned out to be the name that Prince chose to uh, for his, his nightclubs that he opened up in the 90s, first in Minneapolis, and then... They were offshoot uh, Glam Slam clubs in Miami and Los Angeles and Tokyo. Yeah, they didn't they didn't make it out of the '90s. All of them were closed by the end of the decade. But there were you know a handful of years there in the early to mid '90s where there were these Glam Slam nightclubs, and so obviously that was you know pulled from this song. I mean, this song pre preceded the nightclubs, so it was yeah. you know the nightclubs were named after the song. So he liked this phrase even though the song wasn't a success and there wasn't a lot of like uh, name recognition from people yeah. like, Oh wait, you know, he didn't name it when doves cry or he didn't name it purple, the purple rain club. He named it after a song that really wasn't all that popular in the United States because he guess yeah. he just really liked the phrase. I don't know. Yeah. And he, and he also used the phrase in, in different songs. There's Glam Slam 89, which, oh, 91, sorry. 91, yeah. Glam Slam 91, which has nothing to do with this Glam Slam, but it, but it is a Glam Slam. And there's the song Glam Slam Boogie, which he played later in the 1990s, um, which supposedly uh, uh, references the club, not the song. But So there you have two songs that also use the, the phrase Glam Slam. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's... Uh, get off there is there's that's not glam slam but it has, it, at least it has the name glam in it gangster glam was one of those get off remixes so yeah so there yeah so he liked the glam <laughs> he did he did like he liked this and the thing and then what i want to talk about next Edgar, i think it's a good segue into this conversation is like glam slam the name like what is its what is its genesis where does it get its name what are the different phrases that he's kind of uh, using as the basis for this i mean there's so many different common phrases phrases that are used in our vernacular today that everybody knows that he kind of smushed together to or took elements out of to create this two-word phrase so i mean the, the one that i think most people think of and it's really more about in the chorus when he says glam slam thank you ma'am that's 
got you know most people assume or take that to be a a, a takeoff of um wham bam thank you ma'am the the yeah. phrase that is used to kind of describe a quick sexual encounter mm -hmm. a quickie so to speak but yeah. there's that that's the phrase itself that does not just about glam slam that's the whole you know and when we get to the course we'll talk about that a little bit more yeah but glam I have, slam I have some, I have yeah some get, ideas get, about that throw, throw some at me throw some at me edgar <laughs> now you know you mentioned the wham bam thank you ma'am um phrase um and uh, we we know that prince went to see david bowie uh in in saint paul in october 1987 a few weeks before he recorded glam slam and and bowie uses the phrase wham bam thank you ma'am in his suffragette city mm -hmm. and it uh, even though bowie i looked up the set list didn't perform that song the night prince was there he might have been uh, influenced by by david bowie by seeing that concert and inviting him to paisley park afterwards and maybe diving into his uh, discography uh, a little bit and taking that line and making it his own yeah it's uh, certainly another, possible one, one, one of the reasons i also believe there's a there might be a bowie link is in the, the, the video we just talked about prince is playing guitar with with gloves on um which doesn't make sense um but but he wears white gloves and if you go see the the let's dance video by david bowie he's also playing guitar wearing white gloves um like i said this is pure speculation but you know, he, I, I'm putting Prince and Bowie. I, I'm a huge Bowie fan as well. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so if 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 I can make connections, I, I I I try to make connections, and that that might be it. Well, here's the other thing to kind of maybe add some some credence to your theory. So, what what would be one? What kind of genre of music did Bowie would Bowie's music from the '70s most fit into? Yeah. There you glam are. rock glam, glam rock. rock yeah yeah absolutely so i mean glam is of course short for the word glamorous and i think like the way that it was meant to kind of be described as rock music with a theatrical element to it mm -hmm. like uh the, the the elaborate costume designs and stage stage designs makeup you know putting makeup on you know men using makeup to kind of yes. highlight certain features or just to give themselves a more glamorous look that was really starting to come happen there in the 70s and david bowie of course was one of the pioneers of glam rock along yeah. with others of course but um so yeah the connection there seems to be pretty strong i mean again it's all mm -hmm. speculation we don't know this no. the wham bam thank you ma'am phrase um, predates of course bowie that's been around for, yeah. for centuries but you know it was something that he did say in, a, in a, one of his more popular songs from that era of of glam rock that he was making yeah. in the 70s so absolutely could be and you said and i didn't even know that he saw them or he saw bowie you know uh, right around the time that this uh, this album the concept yeah. of this album was happening and because he recorded yeah. all of this basically in december of 1987 the whole album yeah. essentially and, and and he saw and he saw bowie and invited bowie to paisley park in october 87 so there's there's just a small time frame between that moment and the recording of this song so who knows Cer yeah certainly and of course recording dates are recording dates that doesn't mean that's when the lyrics were written he could have wrote them no. back in october for sure absolutely so glam slam also has a lot of other you know people can think of different other more common phrases that are used uh, so 
you have Glam Slam, which sounds very similar to Grand Slam. Yeah. Grand Slam is a sports phrase that's, I guess, it's used in two different sports. So, like, you have the baseball connection yeah. where it's a bases loaded home run. It's a Grand Slam, meaning mm-hmm. that's the most runs that you can score in any one play in baseball's four. And that's either a grand slam or, you know, some sort of bases loaded air that everybody scores. And then you've got the grand slam of tennis, which, of course, is winning all four major championships in the same year. And you got the Australian Open, the French Open, the U.S. Open and Wimbledon. So it's kind of a play on that, I think, too. Hmm. No, Uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, What else do you see? No, also uh, talking about the baseball Grand Slam. In October 1987, the Minnesota Twins had two of those in the World Series. And that, that was the first time since 1970 that a Grand Slam was hit in the World Series. And both were by the Minnesota Twins, also in October. Um, so uh, that, that that puts that sports event roughly about the same time as that Bobby concert yep. we just talked about. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, so I'm, of course, not sure. But if uh, a, a local sports team hits two grand slams in the World Series. Prince must have noticed that. So um, I, I'm pretty sure that might have influenced it as well. Yeah, especially if it's his local team, for sure. I mean, he yeah. was he was a sports fan. We all know that he liked sports. Yeah. So you can't convince me that he wasn't paying attention to what the Minnesota Twins were doing in the World Series that year in 87. So oh. totally makes sense. Yeah, I don't know how big of a tennis fan he was. Um, I have no idea. Oh, he, so. he, 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 he did visit Wimbledon in, I believe it was 2014. Okay. I mean, we know he liked ping pong. Oh, no, 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 not, not Wimbledon. Uh, in Paris. Uh, what's the, the French Open? French Open? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And we know he liked ping pong, and ping pong is just basically table tennis. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's basically the same sport, just doing it on a tiny little table instead of a big yeah. court. Uh, and he was pretty good at that. Yeah. Um, so definitely. what else? What else? We've got in Glam Slam. We already said kind of like the the glam rock. We already mentioned that. We already mentioned Grand Slam. Um, another thing that I see in here and I've seen cited is the slam part. So slam was also can be short for slam dancing or, you know, that was a style of dancing, yeah. basically like a precursor to moshing where people just, you know, run into each other intentionally, bounce off of each other during. Yeah you know, upbeat rock music. I have no idea, you know, why that would be used in a, the title for this song. I don't know if it's intentional or if it's just a coincidence. I think I, uh, I think it, it might be a coincidence. But, <laughs> it might be. Not... This one's a harder connection to make for sure. Yeah, but he did he did um, um, start, you know, uh, in the but but it's that's years later in the in the later nineties. Well, he he never went as far as going to make rock music. That people were slam dancing to, but 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 in the later '90s, when when grunge got more popular, you 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 did see him get rocking out a little bit harder. You see, might they doing stage dives and stuff like that, but it's all later. It's so it's not in 1988. Yeah, 87 exactly. in this case. Yeah, and it's funny. There was a movie that was released in 1987 called Slam Dance. And oh, but it has nothing. It, yeah, it has nothing to do with um, the dance style. It's a it's a thriller, like a, mm-hmm. a crime thriller or uh, erotic thriller. So I think it's just again a coincidence. It's probably our 
I think there's more likely connections to Bowie and to sports baseball yeah. than uh, than the slam dance movement. Yeah. It wasn't Maybe even a slam that dunk. big. <laughs> slam dunk, sure. Liked basketball, yeah. obviously. He was a fan of basketball. Yeah. And I think just slam pushing slamming, uh, pushing those two words together kind of at least gives to me like the impression of like this this smashing success or something very beautiful and uh, impressive. Uh, that's that's only visual. That's the main visual I get when I hear the words glam slam is just something very beautiful and impressive and successful. And um, yeah. I don't know. Did you see what kind of imagery do you get when you hear the words glam slam? Well, exactly that. It's like yeah, you, you have the glam. You know, he, he's always uh, throughout his career uh, uh, tried to 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 connect the beautiful people, so to say, you know, the people in Uptown, they are those beautiful people, the people in, in, in Paisley Park whose hair on one side is swept back, etc. <laughs> those people are all glam, you know. Uh, so so that that's what I see. I see those people. I see them gathering. And um, and, 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 and well, the, the slam part, I don't know. Uh, but uh, but but that, that's, that's definitely what I see. If, if I hear glam slam, apart from Having that that that, I really like the artwork of the two love sexy singles that that were in transparent sleeves with just a sticker on it. That that's something that I see. It's it's something translucent. I don't know why, but it's something that that stuck in my head all, all these years. And, and 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 like I said, I see those those colorful people, uh, <laughs> those beautiful people, uh, who who are glam in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we basically have the same essential imagery the the glam seems to be the glam seems to be more important in the phrase than the slam in terms of i think maybe what he's trying to say i mean they rhyme it sounds cool it's a yeah. new phrase that he coined uh it's something that i mean he really he really did coin this phrase it, it, there's no existence to my understanding of this these two words used together prior to 1988 prior to prince saying it so if you ever Definitely. see anybody say something as glam slam or I glam slam, you can thank Prince for that. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the most interesting thing. Like you, you you just mentioned, Love Sexy, the album was was created in a very short amount of time. Yet he introduces a lot of phrases that would echo on for years. You know, the first time we hear New Power Generation is on this album. You know, the first time we hear Glam Slam is on this album, and he goes on to use it throughout the 1990s. Um, and there's more like that. So yeah. there's there's a lot that he introduces here that would go on throughout the rest of his career. Absolutely, absolutely. That is one of the takeaways of the Love Sexy album is this this world building that Prince did around this time and how it wasn't just for an album cycle. Like it was a lot of it took on a new life outside of this album after the fact. Yeah, because it's like he literally brought his his, you know, paint a perfect chick picture, bring to life a vision in one's mind, which is from another song. But but it's definitely what he does here. He 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 creates the world, the vision in one's mind, right here. And then, you know, the, the glam slam first becomes a fictional nightclub in in the Graffiti Bridge movie, and then it goes on to become a real nightclub in, like you said, in Minneapolis, in Los Angeles, Tokyo, in Miami. So he, he basically is doing what he was singing years before that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So with Glam Slam, so what is what is Prince trying to say in this song? So we've got 
like I said, it's the third track I know is the opening song on the album where he really is pushing the the spiritual angle, introducing spooky electric, introducing the concept of love sexy, introducing new power soul, new power generation. It's a great opening track. It really sets the stage. Alphabet Street's the next song. Alphabet Street doesn't really push the narrative that much or at all, really. Uh, there's a little what, bit in what, in Cat's rap, but yeah. But besides Cat's rap, it's mostly just a song about what we understand to be oral oral sex. So I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't have a great uh, spiritual mm-hmm. angle to it, spiritual spiritual bent to it. So now we move on to Glam Slam, mm-hmm. and no, Alphabet Street's a great song, and Glam Slam is the next single. But for the second song in a row, I don't feel like this song really does a, a real good job of pushing it forth. Again, the love sexy narrative. He doesn't make any mentions of, I mean, he mentions in some ways, and this is where we'll start getting through the lyrics. I guess you could make some loose connections to the album, the album's concept, but they really don't, they're not super strong. I don't think, I mean, no. just before we get into the lyrics, do you have any other comments on that? Or do you agree with, with that assessment? Yeah. I, I agree what you're saying, and maybe that's a reason that the singles didn't do too well. Uh, um, somehow, um, oh, I Wish You Heaven was a good single to um, convey the, the concept of La Sexy to the audience. But the, the other two singles, being Alphabet Street and, and this one, didn't do that. So uh, singles, were, especially back in those days, were there to promote an album. Um, and, and if the singles fail to to convey the spirit of that particular album then yeah that that's that's probably the first uh thing to to put pinpoint that that why why they fail yeah um but the thing also is that love sexy is supposed to be played as one song you know the cds were pressed as one (laughs) song right so pulling singles from an album that's essentially one song um is also a bit pointless i guess but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, there had to yeah. be singles. It was the there had to be. Yeah, yeah, there just had to be. There's no way he could. But I think other other songs would have made better single choices. Yeah, I'd be curious to know what Prince was really wanting. Like when we, I uh, told the story about how on Prince Fall it said that he didn't want this to be the second single and was regretting the choice and wanted to have it changed. I'm curious as to what he would have changed it to i wonder if it would have been i know or something a little more yeah. uh in tune or aligned with with the album's narrative I'm not sure yeah. but um anyway. i would have gone with i know as a single but that's just me. yeah it, it would have made sense it would have made sense mm-hmm. i think i know would have made a great single um because it does push the narrative it does talk a little bit about the concepts but it's not i mean it's upbeat and it's fun and it's funky so those are the kind of the things that people like out of prince's music in the 80s especially yeah All right, let's start getting into the lyrics then. So we've got um, a few verses here in a chorus. So the first verse of the song is, 
This thing we got, it's alive. It seems to transcend the physical. One touch and I'm satisfied. Must be a dream. It's so magical. Okay, so this first verse, I think it's just, I get a little bit of, sounds like a guy in love, basically, to me. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, what else do you see here besides just somebody who's in love and he's just trying to, in a poetic way, describe that feeling? Well, you know, um, you just mentioned the the, 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 the rap in Alphabet Street. Um, it, it vaguely, vaguely connects to that rap in uh, in, in 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 my my mind, you know, this this thing we got is alive is what I believe essentially the feeling that is called love sexy. So that's why I f thought it was weird to make this a single because if you don't know what that feeling is because you haven't heard the album, it doesn't make sense at all. But the feeling uh, he, he described as being love sexy is the feeling you get when you fall in love, not with a girl and a boy, but with a heaven above. So this man is clearly in love and, and the feeling seems to transcend the physical. So that's also that feeling called love sexy. Mm -hmm. uh, but but the thing is, uh, Glam Slam was recorded before Alphabet Street, or at least we believe it was recorded before Alphabet Street. So let's let's go with that. So even though that kind of they they are kind of connected uh, initially, th these lyrics might have been about something else entirely. So I'm I'm not really sure. But but uh, I, I totally get the the feeling of a man being in love. That's that's one thing I take away from it as well. Yeah, I mean, this first verse you can you can apply it to be like love of another person, another human being. Uh, you could even like take it to the um, spiritual angle and like this feeling, love, sexy. Of course, as you mentioned, yeah. love, sexy is not just about love of a, a person, but love of God. Yeah. I mean, we have the love God phrase that was prevalent in the love, sexy tour. It's it's present in this video. I think it's a uh, either on the stage itself or somewhere. I yeah. forget where the yeah. phrase yeah, love at, God is. At one point, there's in, in the video, there's this, this point that you see. Uh, th those are the Game Boys, uh, uh, Tony M, uh, uh, Kirk, and um, and Damon uh, dancing uh, on top of that stage uh, in that video. They, they would be part of the new power generation years later. But they're dancing there, and at one point, you see them uh, like praying and, and, and taking a bow. And that's when the phrase love God, which is on the stage, is being highlighted in the video so gotcha yeah i remember seeing it i just couldn't remember at what point but i think yeah the the point i'm making with this first verse is you could apply it to either one yeah. um and it, it kind of makes sense you could you could interchange the love of a, another person and the love of god here in verse one and it, it could make sense yeah it transcends the physical so obviously a relationship with God wouldn't be a physical relationship. So when he says transcends physical, that makes sense. You know, it's got to be a spiritual or mental kind of thing that's alive, something that's in him that, you know, makes him happy and he's overjoyed by experiencing one touch. I'm satisfied. So you could take it to mean like one touch and I, you know, can have an orgasm if you're talking yeah. physical, but if you're talking on a different kind of, a relationship or a different kind of attraction yeah. than that yeah. touch. If, if could, you're if you're anything. touched by the hand of God, you exactly. could be satisfied as well. Yeah, it must be a dream. It's so magical. So he's he's giving us a little bit of food for thought here in terms of what that this thing that he's got that makes sense in the in the context of the album, but outside of it, it's a little less clear.
Mm. But if you go consider the fact that uh, at one point he had Ingrid Chavez uh, at Paisley Park, that was the evening he he decided to pull uh, the, the 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 Black Album, um, and then he he went on to create uh, Love Sexy. This might imply that more or less uh, in in the Graffiti Bridge movie as well it might be about her. Uh, you know, uh, the, sure. as far as far as far as I know, their relationship was mostly. Um, on a spiritual and intellectual level, um, so that also transcends the physical. So uh, um, it's a far fetch, but it, it might be inspired by that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, his inspirations for these songs could be varied. Absolutely, it doesn't have yeah. to just be about God or about because at this point, you know, in his life, he's he's a two years or a year plus removed from his relationship with Susanna Melvoin, so. Yeah. He's looking for that um, that next connection, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, of the course, then, after the first verse is, Glam Slam, thank you, ma'am. You really make my day. Glam Slam, thank you, ma'am. I pray you'll always stay. So, we've already kind of touched on the Glam Slam, thank you, ma'am, and what that's kind of a take on the Wham Bam, thank you, ma'am. I think most people think of that when they hear this song. It's like, oh, that's a clever little... Switch, uh, turn a phrase, uh, changing it up and switching it up to to make it very Prince-like, <laughs> to yeah. make it princely, uh, less vulgar. Um, mm -hmm. Although, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, I guess didn't even have, like, its or origins wasn't vulgar. It just kind of turned that way over time, just like how, yeah. you know, meanings of, of words can change over time. Originally, I guess it was uh, meant to describe a quick kiss. Something a little more mm -hmm. chaste, <laughs> just a quick, mm -hmm. grabbing a quick kiss when, uh, when a man could with a with a with a woman, because um, usually usually in that direction, but then it turned into being more disgusting uh, of a sexual nature. But then Prince changes that all here for the song. You yeah. really make my day. I pray you'll always stay. So there we've got the word pray. So yeah. that gives us obvious connections to religion and spirituality. Well, like you just mentioned, uh, uh, the wham bam, thank you, ma'am, is supposed supposed to imply a quickie, you know, get mm -hmm. in and out, and you know, no fuss, etc. But then he ends it with "I pray you always stay," and that's that's weird because if if, if this was about a quick fix, it it would not be, um, uh, he no. would not ask the person to stay. Nope, that's and, basically and, the antithesis of a quickie. <laughs> yeah. So and and what I find intriguing, and I think that's also um, maybe he just looked up the lyrics in a rhyme book or something. You know, you, like like you mentioned, this album came together in a very short notice, and this chorus doesn't make sense uh, if you look at the, the the verse that came before it. You know, you really make my day. I pray you always stay. Why? <laughs> What what, yeah. what did she do? Why why did she make his day? It's it, yeah I I don't know. Yeah, I mean they are very simple rhymes. The rhyme pattern here is quite basic. Day and stay is used to rhyme, and I I just get out of this this chorus that even if you do, if you just take it on its own accord, uh, he's you know glam slam thank you ma'am thank you for he's like thank instead of thanking her for. A quick sexual encounter he's thanking her for being amazing or thanking yeah. her for for you know 
bringing light to his life or offering something that he's never had before this thing we got it's alive he's thanking her for for that basically like i thank you for everything that you've provided to me in my life uh, this new light that you bring to me and i hope that you'll always stay i pray you'll always stay and it, even if you're talking about this being a, a thing with god like you you take that angle and you're like he's thanking um he's thanking god for being in his life uh, yeah. you really it, make my day mm-hmm. and i pray and that it, you'll it stay meaning i pray that you are going to be um like i pray to you i pray to you jesus i pray to you god and i mm-hmm. hope that you'll always stay in my life that does make sense because if this was an, an actual woman you know if if you say pray then then there then she's always she's already on the way out you know <laughs> yeah you shouldn't have to pray that somebody's going to stay you have to you know you got to no. do you got to do the work to get them to want to stay not to just i pray you'll always stay i guess it's just maybe a way to say like i i really enjoy this where we're at and i i pray that it doesn't change and uh maybe it doesn't mean literally i'm not sure well the, the, there's this other thing of which which i now think of you know in, in we, we talked about the rap in uh in, in Alphabet Street, and there in, in that rap we hear Love Sexy is the glam of them all. So basically we are having this woman in his life, or maybe it's God in his life, is both having that 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 the glam of them all, that feeling called Love Sexy, and, and, and the, the that home run we talked about, you know? So it, it could be uh, a throwback to that, that part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think just with the whole chorus is uh, just a neat little rhyme that he liked. And it, I don't know if there's a whole lot of additional insight we can to glean out of it, but I think um, it's it's memorable. It's easy to to recite yeah. and it's catchy, I guess. And that's that's an important part of a chorus, I think, is just making it simple and catchy. Yeah. And he did that. Oh, yeah. Well, if you, if you if you talk about my memories of that particular concert I went to, uh, there there are two distinctive things I remember. One, the entire audience singing "God is love, love is God," uh, and 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 the other is people really going wild in this chorus. They they really everybody around me was singing "Thank, thank, clam, slam, thank you, man." That was the <laughs> thing that. So, so that stuck out in that con- in, in that concert, and then in, and in the end, there there was of course the hit medley with 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 Let's Go Crazy, No Scribe, Operation, etc. But this part was received almost as loud as the as the big hit. Yeah, I mean, say what you want about the song Glam Slam and its lack of success, but that chorus is is very catchy and easy to sing along to. Uh, Alphabet Street, as good as that song is, doesn't really have that same. I mean, the chorus to Alphabet Street is yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's the chorus to Alphabet Street, right? So uh, he he definitely took a different angle for this single and made a song with a, a catchy chorus for everybody to sing along to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Don't take me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy to sing along to as well. It just did, it doesn't did, did, have any meaning. <laughs> the, the show I went to, he didn't even play Alphabet Street. Okay. Which, which is which is weird, but yeah, just didn't what, fit in it, with it, what he was trying to do, I guess. I don't know because he did do it in, in in the Love Sexy show that was on the television a few weeks later. But the show I visited, he didn't perform it. That's fascinating. Yeah, that was a lead <laughs> single. Not to do it on the you know, tour is a little different, uh, an odd choice to make. 
Okay. Uh, anything else with the chorus before we move on to verse two? No, I don't okay. No. Let's do it. All right. then verse two is i know i hold you too tight but i just can't seem to get close enough i want to hold you every night i'm so horny and you're the stuff all right so the first yeah. verse and the chorus kind of go together and you, you can make the connection between a person and god and you can inter interchange mm -hmm. them and it makes sense Absolutely. but verse two just doesn't do it for me in that way I mean, I, I hold you too tight. I can't seem to get close enough. That Okay, that I get that. That's yeah. like somebody wants to be close to somebody else, or even if it's God, you mm -hmm. know, I don't know how he holds God tight unless he's just like holding <laughs> holding God close to his, his chest and his heart. Yeah. Uh, I can't seem to get close enough to you, meaning could be like physically close to you, or if it's spiritually yeah. uh, praying well, that, all the time, or thinking yeah, about God all the time. Chase, chasing that. That God, that that you know, the thought of of an omnipresent God, and and connecting to that omnipresent God, that's and, and you 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 know, I I think uh, I'm an atheist, so but but I but I grew up um, in a, in a very religious family, um, and what I saw within that family is people always trying to reach God, not reach mm -hmm. out to Him, but to reach Him, you know, and and that God can never be reached. Um, at least yeah, it's like chasing a, it's like chasing a rainbow you can't ever reach no. the, to the rainbow it's literally impossible so, so i just can't seem to get close enough might be a reference to that you, you yeah. can't get close enough because well well that's that's the nature of religion yeah it's it's impossible to get to be closer than you are at that moment you can yeah. try by by praying more and you can try by uh you know uh, going to church more or just thinking about god more or whatever it is that you do but it you know you're thinking you're getting closer but you're really not no absolutely but that but last I, line i'm so horny and you're the stuff i'm sorry you're yeah. gonna say something edgar <laughs> no that I, I was exactly um uh, going to say just that you know if if you put the religion part in in, in that i just can't seem to get close enough line then, then, then the I'm so horny and you're the stuff. That that doesn't make sense. Nope. <laughs> horny for God, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, this this line just kind of like, uh, come on. I mean, couldn't couldn't you come up with something a little more? I don't know, a little more clever or a little more unexpected. It just seems like a very expected line coming from Prince. Because yeah. you know, he had this reputation of being a horn dog and you know, talking about sex all the time in his music, and this is supposed to be that album where, you know, he expresses maybe a different side of himself. And yes, there's sexuality in this song or in this album. There's talk about, you know, sex and when two are in love and other songs as well. But I'm so horny. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just seems like lazy writing to me. But I'm yeah, not a absolutely. musician. And we also had a horny pony in the previous song, so it's like two songs, two times horny. It's it's too much. 
It is. It just doesn't seem to fit the narrative of the song. It doesn't seem to fit the song, period. No. I'm so horny and you're the stuff. So basically, I just get from that. I'm really horny and you're attractive and you've got you've got what I'm looking for. You've got yeah. Oh well, know, ma- maybe there's that there's that quickie again. When then, yeah. thank you, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I guess that's but, the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, and yet Otherwise, it doesn't. he's just putting it in there because you know <laughs> he's just trying to keep up with his. Uh, horny pony attitude you know the the yeah the the horny prince that people seem to like and love of, of his music like where is that we i mean he's naked on the cover so to a lot of people mm-hmm. who are not listening to the album they just see the cover they think that he's just doing his overtly sexual prince stick well, well it, what is it did, have you did, have you ever considered that that cover might be a throwback to the way john the baptist was uh was um uh presented um in, in uh, Renaissance painting paintings, it's almost identical, and uh, which is funny because the picture is taken by Jean Baptiste, uh, yeah. which, which means John John the Baptist uh, Mandino. So 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 basically, Prince is being John the Baptist here, paving the way for Jesus. That's that's what the album cover is to me. Um, I could be wrong, of course, uh, but but. If you look at it from that way, uh, and and you take songs like Anastasia and stuff, that the, it it does make sense that this he, he would take on that role for, for to, to 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 convey this message. Yeah, I know it. I know what photo you're t- or that what painting you're talking about. Um, and if that is true, if that was the intention of of Prince to kind of play on that a little bit, I think it was lost on a lot of people. I really do. Yeah. Because he already had this reputation. I mean, he had this. Rep- I mean, he had Dirty Mind. He's practically naked on the cover of Dirty Mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has songs that are explicit in nature. Songs that have, had <clears throat> helped generate the parental advisory. Yeah. Uh, explicit lyrics, stickering, and labeling. So he had this reputation, and so to be naked on the cover, and then to talk about being horny. <laughs> I think yeah. maybe was just him playing up on that image still, but then trying to twist it, trying to turn it on its on its head, and like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? This is what people are going to say about me. This is what people are going to think about me. But I've actually got other things in mind with this. Mm-hmm. This isn't the. I'm not trying to expose myself because I'm I'm trying to be uh, you know explicit or I'm trying to be provocative in a sexual way. I'm trying to be trying to get your attention to think about something else. Yeah. But you, it could also be him coming full circle after ten years, because on the on the, on the inner sleeve of his debut album, he's also naked. There's a guitar to cover <laughs> his to, to, to cover yep. his private parts, but yep. he's also naked there. So he was naked on his first album, and he's naked here again, ten years on. Yeah, but ten years but, later, exactly. Yeah, but it's okay. all a different uh, story. <laughs> yeah, it's it's right. He's he's got a different message now than he did in 1978. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so anyway, that's the second verse. Second verse is a little different. Um, you know, it says some of the same things early on, and then it's got the line about him being horny, which kind of throws throws you for a loop a little bit. And then we get to the chorus. The chorus is identical. Glam slam, thank you, ma'am. You really make my day. Glam slam, thank you, ma'am. I pray you'll always stay. And then we get to like a musical breakdown. 
with uh, the third verse is Prince's music and most music often does is the chime of the song to kind of switch it up a little bit and, yeah. and make a musical change to keep the, the song interesting. And he definitely tries to make it interesting here with these with these lyrics. I'm just going to read them. Here we go. Heavy feather, flick a nipple, baby scram, water ripple. And hear somebody say, I don't understand. It means I love you. Come a butterfly straight on your skin. You go for me and I come again. Glam slam. Thank you, man. Sun is risen. Moon is gone. Soda fizzing on the lawn. Come a butterfly straight on your skin. Glam slam. Okay. <laughs> so I have I have no idea what he's really trying to say here. I mean, I can interpret maybe a couple of these lines as to mean something. But what is he actually trying to say here? I'm, I'm a little bit out of a loss. And you and I kind of talked beforehand before starting to record and just like scratching our heads with this third verse so i'm going to open it up to you edgar to start just to kind of but we don't have to go line by line but just in general are there things out of this seemingly non-sequitur uh stream of consciousness lyrics that he's got going on here that don't seem to make a lot of sense when you're reading them <laughs> can you can you make any sense of what this third verse is edgar well, we talked about this previously, indeed, but uh, especially, uh, I think he saw coming what we are doing right now, people not understanding what this means. And so he <laughs> added, he had someone at the, I don't understand, part right from the from the very start, heavy feather, flick a nipple, baby scam, water ripple, and then we hear, I don't understand. And then he says, it means I love you. So this first part, Heavy feather, flick a nipple, baby's game, water ripple. Obviously means he loves her. (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) obviously yes. But 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 why why a baby scam? What 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 is a baby scam? What a ripple might might be a buff that they're in the bus like uh, uh, in when two are in love. I don't I don't understand. (laughs) Just imagine because he says it, it means I love you. Imagine like we replace I love you in our lexicon with. Heavy flick, heavy feather, flick a nipple, baby scram, water ripple. Yeah. Like that's how people start saying "I love you" now. Can you imagine, like, in a world where we start saying those lines instead of "I love you" when we're saying goodbye <laughs> to somebody or <laughs> expressing yeah. love? Can, can you imagine getting a Hallmark card? Heavy feather, flick a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. says, this means "I love you." By the way, in case you weren't sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it seems it seems like nonsense, right? I mean, it kind of feels yeah. like nonsense. Yeah, but the part after that um, might refer to the the whole uh, pulling the black album and going straight into love sexy um, thing. You know, come blood butterfly straight on your skin. You know, butterfly is 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 um, an insect that um, oh you know it, it 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 is a caterpillar and then out comes the butterfly, uh, which is uh, like a transformation. 
it signals rebirth. Uh, and, and so does the sun coming up. He sings, he sings, you know, sun arisen, moon is gone. So he's come out of that black album era and into the light as a butterfly, maybe, or into the sunshine. So that might be something, but it, I don't know. It's just me speculating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I like that because my mind went completely different with the come a butterfly straight on your skin. So if I'm reading that literally, what I get from that is imagery that Prince ejaculates on this person's skin and it looks like a butterfly. I mean, that, that's, I'm sorry, well, that, come a butterfly straight on your skin. That's that's what I hear. And I hope that's not what he meant, but that's what I hear. Yeah, well, but but that's that's where the, the soda fizzing on the lawn was what I thought was ejaculating on the lawn, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we may be right we may be wrong but this is if he's putting these lyrics out and this is the kind of imagery that we're getting then he's either doing that on purpose again to kind of play along with his uh dirty image and you know the, the alternate lyrics or you know different multiple meanings uh, euphemisms things that he likes to do in his lyrics or we're just completely off the mark and misinterpreting it entirely <laughs> which is also yeah. possible Maybe he's just having sex with a girl that has a butterfly tattoo, and he came on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. It's Who absolutely knows? a possibility out here. <laughs> what What we do know is that, is that they have probably have spent the night. You know, the sun is risen, moon is gone. So. Yeah. Yeah, that one's pretty clear. That's a pretty clear. Uh, I think a pretty clear lyric that you can interpret to mean. They've spent the night, sun has risen, moon's gone. So, but where the soda fizzing on the lawn after that? Oh, I don't know. And then he repeats, come a butterfly straight on your skin, too. Yeah, that, and that's weak. You know, you starting, starting apart, come butterfly straight on your skin, and then sing, sing the rest, and then end with exactly the same line. I don't like that. Yeah, this, this whole third verse just, I, I mean, Whatever, their lines, their lyrics. That I think you can enjoy the song without really understanding what he's saying here. It does feel like, uh, like it's stream of consciousness lyric writing. Like he likes how things sound, but it, I just Prince never really been known to just put words together without a lot of you know thought, thought behind it. So I just don't know if this is a, a, another um, outcome or result of having very little time to record an album and get it ready i mean these were these were his own deadlines i mean he had time uh, these were his own internal deadlines I, and, I doubt warner i doubt warner brothers was like we really need another album for you from you 12 months after this double album you released i'm sure it wasn't hmm. pressure from the record label unless they were pissed oh. off about the black album being pulled yeah, and, and and on the other hand, this was one of the first songs recorded for Love Sexy, so he could have gone back to it and, and do something else with it. And we know he did that with songs like I Know, and, 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 and the title track Love Sexy was, was first two, two different other tracks, so he, he could have come back to this and, and changed this, so why didn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah, I mean, so like, I, the way I, I'm not a musician again. But the way I understand a lot of like music writing goes is sometimes you get a melody, sometimes you get like the general um, concept behind a song and how it's going to be presented, what the what the structure is going to sound like, and then you start just throwing in words, random words, just to kind yeah. of fill the space until you can flesh out the lyrics a little bit better. This feels like he did that, 
and then never went back and like oh. turned it into something logical or sent you know made that made any sense that might so yeah. it kind of feels like to me at least that probably is <laughs> yeah but I, usually I, people people usually go back and fix that but if he really felt like he didn't have time he wanted to get like he was desperate to get this love sexy out to get it out of his system uh, uh then maybe he's like forget it i don't have time to fix these lyrics they are they are what they are people just have to live with it and maybe that's the reason why he didn't want it as a single because he listened maybe. listened it back he was going what the hell is this <laughs> it's like damn it i i knew i forgot to do something i forgot yeah. to fix those third verse lyrics <laughs> uh okay so anything else we wanted to touch on with these lyrics in this third verse besides just our general confusion? <laughs> no, I, I really can't do anything with these lyrics. And a lot of time, that's what I like about Prince. Um, I can relate to lyrics he wrote uh, by, by putting a situation from my own life in there. And I can't really hear it. It, 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 it doesn't make sense. Exactly. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, okay, so, so then after that, we get the chorus again. Glam slam, thank you, ma'am. You really make my day. Glam slam, thank you, ma'am. I pray you'll always stay. And then he repeats the first verse again. So this thing we've got, it's alive. It seems to transcend the physical. One touch, and I'm satisfied. Must be a dream. It's so magical. Yeah. Um, and then the chorus again. And the chorus is the same. Don't need to repeat that. And um, I guess, you know, as the song, there's the song has some it's primarily like the outro is mostly music there really isn't a lot of lyrics after he's done with these after the bridge and after the repeating the chorus a couple times and the first verse again he does repeat you know glam slam you will always stay you will always stay and that's just a little bit of a change from how it's phrased pray you'll always stay you will always stay that's the only yeah. thing of note that i mentioned with the outro everything else is pretty much the same mm -hmm. So once again, lazy songwriting, you know, oh, we, we have to fill this. You know what? I'll throw in the very first verse once again. Yeah, this, this isn't a very long song. It's only like three and a half minutes. And that's yeah. with all four verses with one of them being a repeated verse. Mm -hmm. uh, it, there is a, a remix of this song, but there's no new lyrics with that remix. The remix is oh. just music remix. So it's not even like one of those uh, different versions like we got on you know, like Shockadelica or some of his other 12 inch remixes, like Girl from Around the World in a Day, where there, there's more lyrics added that, you know, weren't on the seven inch. This is just, um, you know, a musical remix. The yeah. lyrics stay the same. So this wasn't a song that he, I think he felt like needed more lyrical oomph. It's, it's not, in my opinion, it's not the, one of the strongest lyrical efforts on Love Sexy. No, but he did, he did reuse the Glam Slam theme within Escape, the B-side of this album, of, our, of this song. So, yeah. yeah. And that, that also doesn't make sense, but that, that's a whole different, <laughs> different story. But one thing that uh, I really, really hadn't thought about just until just a minute ago, he prays you will always stay. That's the end. The, the end of the song is pray you're all, you will always stay. And then... Mm -hmm. After that comes Anastasia. Have you ever been so lonely that you felt like you were the only one in the world? So the person obviously didn't stay. Mm, yeah, good point. Again, this is why this whole album being, I think why he felt like this whole album was more like a concept and it needs to be listened yeah. to 
together instead of in pieces yeah. uh, because it does make more sense in his uh you know the way he tracked the album track listing yeah. really made made it important and highlighted that a little bit more than it would have by itself like in a vacuum glam slam seems to be kind of silly and you know kind of a, a fun frivolous little pop rock number and it still kind of just is i guess in general like between us like before a song like anastasia which it does have a lot more spiritual meaning and explains the concept behind love sexy even more full yeah with the god is love love is god refrain but without that coming after that like if you would have followed up glam slam with i don't know like uh i wish you heaven or when two are in love it would have felt like you know that person that he's talking about so so um joyously in this song that's the same person that he's yeah. talking about in these love songs in the yeah. in later in the album but that's not how the song is tracked or the album is tracked so you got to take it a different way like you like you suggested yeah but it's uh yeah but it's it is it is uh you know he says one touch and i'm satisfied and i'm not really satisfied by this song um i like like <laughs> i said i i like love sexy and especially the ending of this song it's just i don't know it leaves you uh, yeah yeah, the song seems to be stronger for me from a musical standpoint than from a lyrical standpoint. Yeah. I think the, t- the key takeaways and, and what makes this song interesting and kind of more than just a footnote in his career is, is the terminology created and, and presented here for the first time. I mean, Glam Slam, that, that phrase and how that was used much later or throughout the 90s, much of the 90s at least, is is kind of like this song's lasting legacy i think yeah absolutely beyond that there isn't much else i don't think with the lyrics but but that whole <laughs> glam slam phrase coming out of the song is its legacy maybe maybe that's the, the 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 one thing he liked and that's the reason that he never really performed it anymore after the love sexy tour but he he basically retired the song the minute the tour was over Right, and he just repurposed the the phrase "glam slam" for other things, like the "glam yeah. slam '91" song, which was used created to promote the the nightclub opening. Um, yeah, because he didn't he didn't want to just keep replaying the song over and over to remind people that "glam glam slam" was an actual place that you could go visit. He had other songs now that he could use to promote that "glam slam." Ulysses was something yeah. it was a thing yeah. too so i mean he yeah. he liked this phrase he really did he just maybe yeah. not so much the song but he liked the phrase <laughs> yeah it's it's probably the most used phrase um, in his career uh, next to new power generation yeah and it, and it originates here certainly does right here yeah. 1988 okay uh so edgar do you have any any other things you wanted to mention about the song any final thoughts hmm well, not not really. I, I do like to I do like to mention that um, um, I, I have uh, uh, somewhat of a weak spot for this song because it's it's like the soundtrack of more than than Alphabet Street. It is for me the soundtrack of that summer in 1988. I vividly remember getting the single, getting the 12 inch, going to see the show, getting uh, a French copy of the single afterwards, uh, which didn't have the translucent uh, sleeve, but it has had a picture sleeve. With a with a photo that was actually taken in Rotterdam at one of the, the three shows he did there, and 
the, the, the concert I saw. So that was, uh, you know, the whole package, the, the, the single, the 12 inch, the concert. Um, and, and, and then that other single as well, that was, and still is very special to me. So, so it's, the memory is great. It's the memory is better than the song. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. All right. Well, very cool. So where can, um, people find what you're up to at here? Well, um, uh, I'm, I'm currently rebuilding my uh, Prince website, purplepix.net, um, which uh, don't go there right now, but it should be ready <laughs> uh, well within a few weeks. Uh, we, have, we had some issues there, so I decided to build it from the ground up. Um, you can find me uh, at my name uh, on, on Twitter, um, and we are hosting a, a bunch of Prince Twitter threads there uh, together with, with Ump. Uh, and, and you are one of our frequent uh, guests, guests as well. Um, you can follow that uh, by following the, the handle uh, Prince Trev on Twitter. Um, where else can they find you? Well, that's, that's that's basically it, I guess. That's the most important. Okay. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me, Edgar. I know you're six it's, hours ahead of me, so yeah. it's, whenever we can chat, it's always you know a pleasure and benefit, I think, for me and the show to get you know, a, a European perspective, uh, you know, we will, for we some of this stuff. six hours ahead in the future. <laughs> yeah, six, in the, six hours in the future. So what's it like in sun, Sunday afternoon, Edgar? <laughs> what's the world it's, like? It's it's dark outside now. It's it's five o'clock. Um, oh, wow. It's and, evening now. Yeah, it's evening. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much again. This has been the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenniger. You can find the show Press Rewind Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, also now on YouTube. So check out the show on YouTube if you enjoy that platform. Uh, I try to put stuff on there that maybe you haven't heard before or haven't heard in a while. So check it out. Um, and until next time, thank you, everyone. And goodbye.